What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Run Your Mouth Podcast. Middle of the afternoon coming at you guys. And uh, this is another one of these ones that are very well put together. I got footage from January 6th. I got footage from documentaries. I got quotes convincing you that you should buy more guns and arm your wives. So we're, we're going deep today. We've got some important topics to delve into. Uh, and before I rattle off the topics, because we all know I like to, you know, put forward beforehand everything that we're actually going to cover on the podcast so that, you know, throughout the show, what's coming up next, you know, ever feel lost. I don't want you to feel lost. I don't want you ever sitting there listening and go, where's this going? Is he just rambling? I don't, I want you to feel calm when you're listening to this show. I want you to know that I came in prepared. And then if you just stick with me for 20 minutes to an hour, maybe three times a week, You'll be informed and you'll feel better and uh, come out for summer porch tour. You know, I might still get some more dates on the calendar uh, if I decide to do it. But because there's some there's some good leads out there. Someone hit me up with the farm in Michigan. I haven't gotten back to them. Someone else hit me up being like, hey, we got a good old Meeks's caucus and we'd love to have you. These are warm leads. I just got to sit down and respond to people. But, you know, I don't like putting things together, which is why it's on you to actually show up because, you know, it, like I said, we're retiring for porch stores. So show up while you can. These are fucking party. We hang out all day. We barbecue. We have a good old time. Uh, speaking of which, who's going to Pork Fest? I'm thinking about maybe uh, bringing up a grill and tailgating. So, you know, join the Free State Project coming out for that one. And uh, also, if you're in New York, I got a gig coming up. I got to find the date with Menu and Heart. Uh, at, uh, Caroline's I'm, uh, I'm, I'm opening up for him. So, uh, I got to get that date out in the world. All right, let's get into the topics of what I got lined up for today. Cause we got a packed episode. We don't have time to bullshit here. All right. First on the docket is our COVID vaccines fueling a surge for the demand in tampons. Will this be worse than the baby food shortage with men demanding that women go back to wearing pants? Next up is how Gatorade finally admitted that its products will give you diabetes. Then we have, should the left be more accepting of Trump, who is self-identifying as president? That's a tricky one. And then last is Donald Trump's mental illness of totally believing whatever he just said, going to keep him out of jail. Which brings us to the January 6th hearings. I'm going to play a couple footage, but here, look, there are my notes right there. That's what I'm about to talk about. Uh, at least in the second episode of the January 6th hearings, no longer in prime time. And it looks like they're giving up or maybe there were such bombshells from the last one with Bill, Bill Barr, uh, that they're like, Oh, we better let that information sit for a couple days. We better let the media digest this one. We've got enough headlines that we could fuel this for the next three days before we even run our next meeting. Not to mention they wanted to have some guy in person, but then all of a sudden his wife's giving birth and they're like, oh, what, what, what are you giving birth for? Well, we got, we got, uh, we got meetings to run and weren't you vaccinated that you can't get pregnant? We're trying to depopulate the earth. You're really ruining all of our agendas here. So anyways, they got their January 6th hearings for, for reasons unknown. Maybe the ratings were so bad. By the way, everyone was like, it, it was so funny that some people were like, hey, these ratings were terrible. Other ones were like, these ratings were great. The fact that 20 million people tune in for anything politics related seems to me like pretty good ratings. So I, I, don't, I don't really understand when people are like, oh, no one was interested. That seems like people were interested. 20 million people. That that seems uh, fairly substantial to me. I mean, we got 20 people that listen to this. So 20 million. I mean, I mean, 20 people live. I don't mean if you're listening to this at home, we're super popular. You're on a winning team. You should continue listening to this and you should tell other people about it and about how you're part of this movement that includes porches and good news information. 
and that we're really the majority. Anyone listening to anything else is the minority. Apples are apples. Oranges are oranges. Listen to run your mouth. Share that with your friends. You're a winner if you listen to this. Don't think that you're part of some. I mean, it's an exclusive club of winners. So don't think that you're a loser in the minority if you're hanging out with us when I decide to put out episodes. You're 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 part of an exclusive club of winners. Anyways, trying to talk about the January 6th hearing. They're postponing the next one. Uh, but this is at least the interesting part of the conversation. The uninteresting one is if you're going to talk about how, you know, people raided a building, didn't even raid the building. There were a couple of people up front that were violent. The rest of them were uh, walking around taking pictures, realized they didn't have to wait online in order to check out the Capitol building. So all those people, the conversation about Trump and the violent insurrection in this, it's not interesting. You know why it's not interesting? Because where are you going with it? The interesting conversation is, did Donald Trump actually do something illegal? And then he sat down and said, all right, I'm losing this election, but how do I lie my way into staying into office? And then he realized, okay, I can fabricate a story, pretend like they were trying to uh, rig the election, that they were cheating. And then I can try and push this lie uh, all the way to, you know, bullying Pence into not certifying the election. And then it's unclear what step two was here. It's unclear what step two would have been. But now Donald Trump's got this incredible thing about him where, you know, he's he's good in sales in a way that I'm I'm not good at it sales. Like I, if I have a product that I don't like, I can't sell it. It's just it's not for me. I'm not I'm not good at like here. here all right. Here's an example. And I want to be clear before I say this, because I think you guys will understand. Uh, uh, the, all right. I once worked in an office. We did not sell the best product. And there were some people had the biggest smile on their face. They loved that product. They thought that product was great. And then sometimes you'd be like, yeah, but I'm looking at the performance on this thing. And it just wouldn't men mentally register. And those people were better salespeople than I was. And I don't think that they were immoral or evil. I just think in some way they had a sensibility about them where they were really positive about things. And so they just kind of thought what we were doing was great. Like, and it would be an example of that. I, and I want to be clear because on an early episode, I made a, I made a joke about Burt Kreischer. I think Burt Kreischer is an incredibly talented comedian. He's one of the few podcasts that I actually listen to. Big fan of Burt. If I worked in a sales office with Burt, I can tell you, that that guy would outsell me three times to one every single sales quarter. And I'm talking about like in a universe where I don't even work in comedy and I'm actually working hard at sales. Like he would be the number one guy and I would be the number two guy. And I would have to come in every day. I'd have systems for finding good prospects. I'd be writing new, like I'd be reading new sales books. I'd be writing new sales scripts. I would be trying to hire better people. I'd be like, uh, spreadsheets. I'd be organizing. I like, I'd be going out on meetings and then he would just be playing golf and just outselling me. And because he's got that personality where it doesn't matter, like to him, it's just the greatest thing in the entire world. Like you could put him into the movie boiler room. And at some point someone's like explaining to him, like, Hey, you know what we're doing? He'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just sold someone a uh, stock for a cancer thing. And now the cancer company's got the funding it needs. And this guy's going to make money on the cancer thing. He'd be like, well, you know, the last 12 things that we put the people into didn't make the money. I don't know what you're talking about. I make people money here. And the next one, I know that that one's going to be good. So even if some of the other ones didn't hit, I know that the next one's going to hit. And like, he would legitimately believe that, which is great for sales. And I feel like Trump, he's got that thing, which is great for sales. Now, if someone with a good product can recruit, recruit people like that to then go sell the product, everyone's winning. You know, you got your good product. You're not that good at feeling good about things in lives and selling things. That's the, that's the relationship uh, 
of uh, that's the value of a good salesperson, right? You got a good product. You're going to need someone who can sell it. And so that's the value that that person can bring. But like that, it's like a utility player. You take that same person and you put them in a role selling a bad product. And now they're out there convincing people to do something that's bad. But it's like that person, I, 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 I'm not trying, like, I'm not, I'm saying that that perfect is perfect for that job. It's almost like in a way up to someone else to give them the right product. Uh, because they might not even have the, it's not a stupidity thing. It's not a stupidity thing. It's like having actually a super skill for just feeling good about what you're involved in. I hope I explained that to the best of my capability. So anyways, I believe that, that Trump's got that thing about him. So now you got to actually prove that not only was like that, that Trump, like, even if let's say it was crazy, you know, but Trump believed it. Trump identified as president, well, then I don't think you can possibly prove that anything criminal or illegal happened. And I think that's going to be nearly impossible to prove, especially if he actually has legal counsel that's like, did in other words, did he recruit lawyers? He sat down with lawyers and said, hey, listen, I'm losing this thing, but here's here's my idea. I'm going to go lie, pretend like I'm winning, and then you guys figure out how in the court system we can present that as a reasonable possibility. And then like we've said 19 times here, so what, what's the second stage there? What exactly is the end game if he was just totally lying and making it up? And once again, this is the more interesting thing. Did Trump, did Trump actually engage in illegal activity? And then secondary, then everyone who we locked up for the January 6th stuff or is going to be facing trial, should they be freed because they were lied to by a president who was engaged in criminal activity? Um, all right. So now, before we play the footage, of everything that went down at yesterday's hearing, which is just a couple bombshells that I think are uh, worth watching. I do want to play this from Bill Barr. Congresswoman, and that is uh, whether you, you believe these hearings are justified or, or trumped up, no pun intended, against the former president. Uh, it's likely in a couple of weeks uh, they will seek criminal indictments uh, to key players, uh, maybe even the former president himself. How do you feel about that? Well, I haven't seen anything that that makes me think the president committed a crime. Uh, what's come out so far has generally been known before. There are a few things that were new, but uh, I do think there are legitimate areas of inquiry. But I also agree with the congresswoman that this isn't set up uh, as an optimal uh, mechanism for getting at the truth. And there is obviously a big political overlay. But you know, I think it's legitimate to uh, to explore whether or not there was a plan to use violence to stop the vote. And if there was a plan, uh, was the president involved? Uh, I haven't seen anything up to now that makes me think he was. And I personally doubt it. But uh, I think that those are legitimate questions. And the other question is more of a political nature, which is, uh, you know, did the president stand by for hours while uh, the uh, Capitol was under attack? Second one's interesting because I guess that's what we were claiming about uh, Nancy Pelosi was that, you know, she didn't do her job and make sure that the reinforcements. So, you know, maybe Trump was in on that game as well. Uh, but the more interesting thing that I want to focus on on what Barr just said is that despite everything that we're going to hear, uh, including his own testimony, he doesn't think that Donald Trump did anything illegal, which then kind of calls into question, well, then what are we doing with this whole thing? What what exactly is it? It seems basically from what Raskin's been saying on the news that they're trying to uh, pressure the Department of Justice into investigating Donald Trump or I guess uh, bringing uh, 
uh, opening up a trial against Donald Trump for having done something illegal. And obviously it's pretty odd because we don't tend to do that to past presidents. Otherwise, Obama would probably be in jail for droning kids. Slash, from a freedom perspective, there's probably more interesting things to go after Donald Trump for. But anyways, he's trying to say, Bill Barr, he was there. He, we're about to hear him say that these claims were nonsense. Even he, as the guy in the room thinking that what Donald Trump was doing was nonsense, doesn't believe that it was illegal activities. So then what's going on here? Uh, well, I do think that they're trying to push the Department of Justice into actually opening up a case. But then I guess it's just a function of winning over voters, um, in which case, you know, I guess fair game. The Republicans should do the same thing. Open up uh, an investigation. Don't let any Democrats on it do it into Nancy Pelosi and all sorts of other people and just start creating better television. I guess that's fair game to just create good television that's bad press for the other individuals. Uh, all right, so now let's watch some of the actual, uh, you know, uh, videos that were played and some of the uh, interesting insights. The thing went for about two hours and I skimmed it to try and pull out some of the better- Right out of the guys. box on election night, the president uh, claimed that there was major fraud underway. I mean, this happened, as far as I could tell, before there was actually any potential of looking at evidence. And it seemed to be based on the dynamic that uh, that at the end of the evening, a lot of Democratic votes came in, which changed the vote counts in certain states. And that seemed to be the basis for this broad claim that there was major fraud. And I didn't think much of that because people had been talking for weeks and everyone understood for weeks that that was going to be what happened on election night. Mr. Stepien, obviously. All right, we can pause that there for one second. Um, right out of the box. I'm okay, so we have uh, what they were calling... Uh, Oh, shit. I don't know what they were calling it. Um, but anyways, here's what here. Here's what's interesting from that. So you got Bill Barr saying, all right, the thing that they're working on is the fact that there was more mail in voting by Republicans than there was for Democrats. But I guess what he's not answering is the why. And doesn't it seem a little bit suspicious? Is it that like now you might just say that Democrats were more concerned with COVID. So they were less inclined to show up and vote. That could be. But then again, Showing up to vote's a pain in the ass. I don't even vote. One time I went to show up to vote, they told me that I wasn't registered and I had registered. I said, this whole fucking thing's a sham. Never showed up again. I might actually show up and vote this time. Uh, if Davey Smith doesn't run, I'll, I'll vote fucking down ticket for Republicans. I might even go register and vote in local elections. And because my old theory was don't throw away your vote just voting against someone. But now I think just vote against the Democrats. Just let them know, no. Like, that's it. Just let them know, hey, I don't like inflation. And I don't like your COVID regime. I vote for freedom over authoritarianism. And so Republicans are closer to that than you are. So I just, it just it's just a no to Biden. Like, I'm not voting for Republicans. I'm voting no to Biden. Uh, anyways, what, what the fuck was I trying to talk about? Oh, yeah. So Bill Barr is over here. And he's saying that the, that the claim was that there was more mail-in votes. But we all knew going into the election that there was going to be more mail-in votes. But like that was kind of the shadiness of the entire thing was Trump going, hey, I don't like it that we're expanding mail and voting. And I know that this is a way for them to cheat. And then they did have like the huge dumps with the mail and votes. And then they go, oh, yeah, well, we all knew. Yeah, Trump knew it, too. That was exactly what he said beforehand, seemed a little bit off about the entire thing. Now, if you can explain to me 
why it is that Democrats in mass, I guess, would uh, be more inclined to engage in mail-in voting. And like I said, maybe you got the perfect story there. Maybe it's, uh, hey, they're more concerned with COVID, so they want to stay home. Or maybe the Democrats are more elderly, and so they're more likely to be voting from nursing homes. That seems unlikely. I always thought conservatives skewed a little bit older. Uh, but this one is a little bit odd because they go, all right, Trump's main thing was that, you know, there were so many votes that came in overnight after the actual physical votes of people showing up in person. But we all expected that. Well, yeah, Trump expected it, too. Like that's it's still you're not answering the why you're not answering for the why no one should have been concerned with that or why it is that Democrats would be voting in. Like if you're saying, hey, we're all expecting that Democrats are going to vote in mass through the mail and voting. And here's why Democrats are doing that more than Republicans. And so that's why there's no reason for concern. I would go, OK, that kind of adds up. But without mentioning the why, it's kind of a, it's kind of only a partial explanation. Uh, the other video from Barr that they played was basically him saying, hey, if Donald Trump actually believed what he was saying to me, he was crazy and didn't exist within reality. I thought I had that video, but that was the uh, that was the other bombshell. And then the other video that they were uh, kind of pushing was they had this guy. Uh, now, here, let's Mr. Stepien uh, has been in the campaign field for a long time, and he worked for lots of different candidates and campaigns. He testified to this committee about his concerns, given the claims that Mr. Giuliani and Ms. Powell and their team were making uh, publicly. Let's play. So I just want to pause for one second. The way that this fellow is introduced is that he's worked in Washington for a long time. Now, was this Trump's lawyer? Like the way that they're trying to paint it is that Trump had two different legal teams he had this guy who was a reasonable lawyer telling him, hey, Trump, this is a terrible idea. And then he had the Giuliani squad and that lady who was talking about Krakens saying, yeah, 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 this thing was totally fraudulent. And essentially, it's not that Donald Trump was getting bad information. It's that he went out and found lawyers that would run off of his bullshit and his lies to try and make that a reality. In other words, he said, hey. I'm looking for a criminal lawyer. It's like a Saul Goodman scene. I'm looking for a criminal lawyer that's willing to go do this for me and engage in this criminal activity, in which case there would be responsibility for Trump. So they're trying to paint the picture that that's what Trump did and so that there was actual like uh, a criminal or uh, an illegal act that took place. But they don't, uh, there, there's an ambiguity here and maybe I'm just picking on something that they don't mean, they're, they're, they're leaving a false trail here. But was this other guy actually Trump's lawyer? Or is it just someone who served in the White House for a long time? You see, because the way she introduced him at the beginning of this is he served on a lot of stuff. But it's not clear to me that like this was Donald Trump's lawyer, I guess, prior to, to, to the election stuff going on. And then he specifically found other people. All right, here we go. Let's uh, let's hear what the guy has to say. Clip 15. OK, it was important for you, Mr. Stepien, to sort of pull back just for your own professional reputation. You didn't want to be associated with some of what you were hearing from the Giuliani team and others that, that sort of stepped in in the wake of your departure? Uh, I didn't mind being categorized. There were two groups of family. We called them kind of my team and Rudy's team. I, I didn't mind being characterized as being part of Team Normal as, as reporters, you know, kind of started to do around that point in time. All right. Now, I can't pin it. 
like I've said from the outset of the election fraud stuff, I don't have a clean read on this. I don't know. I don't think I think I've been pretty consistent on this one going. It's weird that such a gigantic issue can remain somewhat ambiguous uh, that I would think you would just get like solid evidence and either go. Donald Trump was 100 percent lying, had zero grounds for this and maybe shouldn't be able to run again. Or, hey, we actually have an, uh, an issue with our uh, uh, with our elections. Uh, and it just seems like gray area and that something of this magnitude should not be gray area. And I don't have a clean read here to tell you, uh, which side is guilty. Uh, now this guy though, it just, something about it makes me look like he's lying. Now I'm not like one of these body language experts, but the picking at your ear, you're looking off screen. And then here's another video with this guy. On election night. Now, in this one, for some reason, they go audio only. I don't understand why for some of these you're getting full video and then on other ones you're getting audio only. Uh, but here's another thing that just seems a little bit ambiguous. Trump ahead um, in, in, in many states. And as, as that week wore on, as the third became the fourth, became the fifth and so on and so forth. And the vote by mail ballots were tabulated, you know, Trump's Trump's lead, you know, grew more narrow and and in. And in some places Biden surpassed, you know, Trump in, in the vote totals. So as, as the week wore on, um, as we paid attention to those numbers every single multiple times a day, um, you know, internally, um, you know, I, I I was feeling less confident for sure. What was your view on the state of the election at that point? Um, you know, uh, very, very, very bleak. Um, you know, I, 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 I we, we told him, um, the group that went over there um, outlined, you know, my belief in, in, in chances for success at this point. And All right. So I just want to pause and uh, speak out a distinction that might exist here. And maybe even Barr held this to be true. And maybe even this lawyer held it to be true. When he's talking about the ability to win the election, like, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but are they acknowledging that there was some level of fraud that existed but there was no path to proving enough fraud that Trump won the election. And so there was no reason in engaging in that discussion whatsoever, because then it opens up the door to kind of people going, oh, maybe these elections aren't aren't legitimate. And so in order to somewhat preserve the democracy, they just kind of looked at the procedure and said, there's no way to prove the level of fraud like even if we were to prove some level of fraud existed, you're just going to end up in a situation where people uh, there's more people believing Trump and more people believing that this isn't a legitimate democracy. So since there's no possible pathway to that level of proof, we might as well kind of not let this exist at all. And the reason why this triggered kind of my ear is when he's just talking about the pathway to victory. And even if it's contested at five or 10, that somewhat sounds to me like that's what he's saying. But like I said, I might be, I might be reading too much into this. All right. And then I think I had one more, one more video on this. Oh, okay. So that's it from, uh, from, I guess them trying to prove. So the case that they're trying to build is that basically Donald Trump had two different legal teams. Uh, one was that was, you know, Bill Barr and this other guy being like, Hey, there's zero election fraud, drop it. And then there were these other individuals that were giving Trump drastically different information. Now, if you got bad legal counsel and you listen to them, well, I guess that's probably the fault of legal counsel, maybe Rudy Giuliani and, uh, and Kraken lady, who apparently even in court then later said, yeah, no, she pulled the Rachel Maddow defense of, 
oh yeah, I was up there just being entertaining, which makes no sense. I don't understand. Like I understand how in TV, maybe, I mean, even that one makes no sense. You're up here giving a news broadcast and then you say afterwards that you're being entertaining. I mean, I just claim up front of being entertaining and then some, and I'm exploring these ideas and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but at least, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking out loud. We're getting these thoughts out of our head, you know, but Rachel Maddow, when she go, that president's definitely a Russian asset every single day for two full years and crying and going, I can't believe that we got this evil guy because of the Russians and it's treasonous. I don't know how you turn around and go, hey, that was just entertainment, but she gets to do it. I certainly don't understand how a lawyer getting up on TV and saying, hey, I represent the guy and we've got the cracking of evidence can just be fucking lying about that. That seems absolutely batshit crazy whatsoever. But then I guess it brings you back to the question of did Trump basically sit down and instruct these people of, hey, I'm engaging in this criminal act and I don't think that they'll ever possibly be able to prove that. And then even when I listen to Barr and this other guy, I, I, I'm left with the question of were they aware of some level of fraud? Well, obviously, we all know that there's some level of fraud, but I mean, like more than just like the normal that, you know, could have possibly have changed the election in Biden's favor. But since they knew that they couldn't prove it, they didn't want to engage in the conversation about it whatsoever. All right, let's take a couple comments because I see people are shouting out sheath underwear. So this is a good time for an ad read. Cole Warren got married this past Sunday. And even in the South Texas heat, peak of 110 plus degrees, my cock and balls were cool and comfortable in their sheath holes and still pleasant for my wife's tongue later that night. There you go. And use the code RYM like I did. How's that for an endorsement from the fans out there? Uh, run your mouth, use promo code RYM. You're going to get yourself a pair of sheaths and it's the summer months. You don't want to be out there. You don't want to be like this guy. It's your wedding night. And you're like, I want to be presenting myself some good dick. I bet this guy's lady's vagina was a swamp hole that evening because she probably wasn't wearing sheath. And, and, and the vagina is more like an inner thing. You know, it doesn't hang outside. So like it can get real swampy and gross in there. So, you know, I, I hope you yelled at your wife or had her shower to freshen up. Uh, when you lifted up that gown, the last thing you want is to be like, shit, we should not have gotten married outdoors. This is disgusting. But that was nice of you that for your wife, you wore the sheath underwear, you keep everything calm, cool and collected. And then you were so good about it. You even came back. You gave an endorsement to the other fans that they know that they should know that they should be going to sheathunderwear.com using promo code RYM. You get 20% off and it's the summer months. You don't want stinky, sweaty nuts. You don't want to be showing up to the urinal, taking out your hog and everyone's going like, oh my God, you don't want to be that person. The guy with the stinky dick in the, in the men's bathroom smells even more than the urinals. So, you know, go get yourself a nice pair of sheath underwear. You use promo card RYM, you get 20% off. All right. And for everyone else, let, let's get some of your Kratom testimonials out there. Where are my Kratom users at? Where are your people who got drug tests coming up that are studying for them and taking the Kratoms instead? Because Kratom, keep it cool, calm, and collected. And you go to yokratom.com and get an entire kilo for $60. All right, let's take a couple more comments here. Andy Blue, here to hail Satan. Annie Blue, the elites need your children's blood for their adrenochrome transfusions. Abortion are useful for this. That's good for the uh, in the YouTube channel up. <laughs> the larger sample, the better. All right. Uh, David Owens, how do I become one of the in-club member or whatever it's called? Uh, send me money. I, I don't currently have an in-club, but, you know, for your money, sure. We can be friends. Uh, all right, here we go. So here was the last charge that was brought. And this one's interesting because it might give you a missing piece of the possible Donald Trump puzzle of what was his end game here, because just bringing it back to the States, what was that going to accomplish? Uh, so this one's actually pretty interesting. Here we go. 
Investigative Counsel with the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Between Election Day and January 6th, the Trump campaign sent millions of fundraising emails to Trump supporters, sometimes as many as 25 a day. The emails claimed the, quote, left-wing mob was undermining the election, implored supporters to, quote, step up to protect the integrity of the election, and encouraged them to, quote, fight back. But as the select committee has demonstrated, the Trump campaign knew these claims of voter fraud were false, yet they continued to barrage small dollar donors with emails, encouraging them to donate to something called the Official Election Defense Fund. The select committee discovered no such fund existed. I don't believe there is actually a fund called the Election Defense Fund. Is it fair to say that the Election Defense Fund was another, I think we called it a marketing tactic? Yes. And tell us about these funds as marketing tactics. Uh, just a topic matter uh, where money could potentially go to be, how money could potentially be used. The claims that the election was stolen were so successful, President Trump and his allies raised $250 million, nearly $100 million in the first week after the election. On November 9th, 2020, President Trump created a separate entity called the Save America PAC. Most of the money raised went to this newly created PAC, not to election-related litigation. The Select Committee discovered that the Save America PAC made millions of dollars of contributions to pro-Trump organizations, including $1 million to Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' Charitable Foundation, $1 million to the America First Policy Institute, a conservative organization which employs several former Trump administration officials, $204,857 to the Trump Hotel Collection, and over $5 million to Event Strategies, Inc., the company that ran President Trump's January 6th rally on the ellipse. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory. Now, is this any worse than Hillary Clinton, Saudi Arabia? She's in the State Department. They're giving her millions of dollars. She's got all sorts of people on that staff gunning paid hefty salaries. Probably not. So this is a little bit more of even what I was saying at the beginning of, uh, of when they were looking into Trump is that it's like the way communist uh, China works, is that if you're part of the political system, you can be as corrupt as you want. If for some reason the people above you want to get rid of you, then they can point fingers and go, hey, look, you're involved in corruption. I was actually just talking about this the other day, I believe on the Shedcast. Go listen to uh, to the Shedcast. But that guy from uh, Ark Agios, whatever the fuck that thing was called. Uh, but basically when there was one company they got absolutely taken out during that GameStop. It, there was one company, it had the GameStop short, and that guy got taken out. And apparently he was using a lot of leverage money that was given to him by people like JP Morgan and other big banks and other big sophisticated players. Because he'd been in the game a long time. He's making money for everyone. So these big banks, they give him an outstanding, lovely line of credit. He uses that. He puts some big short out on GameStop. He ends up wiping out his whole fund. And guess what? You know what happens when you lose the mob's money? Well, all of a sudden, now you're being investigated for insider trading. The guy's entire career, I'm sure he was doing exactly what he was doing. But now all of a sudden, he's in trouble for criminal behavior. You know why? Because he, uh, like, if you're making money for the mob, everyone's happy with you. You know, there's no problems. But all of a sudden, you take that money and you lose that money. You get a knock on your door. Hey, it's the SEC, and uh, you know, now, now, now we're now we're going to start looking into your into your activities. Uh, but anyways, here this one's pretty interesting. Is that um, did Donald Trump raise a lot of money from the individuals claiming that the election was stolen? 
and then create a pretty large amount of money that was then available to him, I guess, either for the next election. I don't understand how campaigns work like that. If you raise a shit ton of money, you then I don't know what happens to the money when your campaign's over, if you don't win or you got leftovers. Uh, but in this case, it seems like some of the funds were used to pay off, uh, you know, some of his higher ups in the administration, which is no different than these book deals. It's no different than all these other scams. But highlighting corruption is still probably a win. Uh, yes, there's a corruption element of that. If you only do it once people are outside of the system, and you're looking to get in trouble, then it just becomes another tool for kind of the elites, the deep state or whatever the hell else you want to call it. Uh, but at least of all the things going on with the January 6th stuff, that's an interesting story. And I do think that there's probably something even for the Republicans and these people that have put a lot of faith in Donald Trump. Uh, you know, to, to have a little bit of an understanding, the, the guy's not looking out for you. He's never going to do what he promised. And uh, maybe the party would be better off if they moved on from him and ran and won with like a Ron DeSantis or someone else, which, by the way, the second one of those guys get into office. Sure, we're not going to have to worry about covid. Maybe we'll start fighting a little bit of inflation, uh, but we'll probably end up going to war with someone or all of a sudden your weed's going to be illegal. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, like all those conservative things that you hate come back around also. All right. And now we're moving on from this. But, you know, if we're transitioning topics, I might as well plug Yo Delta. I've been, I've been, by the way, eating little teeny tiny slivers of the gummies. I think I got the dosing just right because I actually prefer uh, an edible to, to, to like smoking weed. I like, I like, uh, I like an edible and I figured out how to just chew off like a little teeny piece of the corner so that you're not like waking up at two in the morning and going, holy fuck, I am stoned as anything. And then you're waking up the next day and you're like, shit, I'm still stoned. And I was supposed to get work done today. All right. What other topics I got planned? I know I got more stuff here. All right, so that concludes where we're at with January 6th. It's going to be a couple days till we see the next hearing. Oh, there was also a fun talking point that apparently Rudy Giuliani was hammered, uh, which uh, how hammered and, you know, Julie, Rudy Giuliani is kind of incoherent normally. So just think about how incoherent that guy must be when he's showing up to drunk. I mean, he can't even put like his mascara into his hair properly when he's sober. What do you think's going on when the guy's hammered? I don't know. Unclear. Okay, so anyways... I was reading an MSNBC piece that caught my eye. You know why it caught my eye? Because a couple days ago, I was saying that, you know, we can all stand together and agree that school shootings should be at zero. But I was also saying I was curious to know uh, what the macro numbers were of the risk of dying in like mass shooting incidents. And so MSNBC comes together and they got a piece of propaganda basically going, hey, I know that you guys are alarmed because it seems like you got all these deaths from AR-15s and these mass shootings, but really that's only 2% of the gun deaths. And then they start going, what we really need to do, or I might be editorializing here, we got to get rid of all the guns, right? Because really most of the gun uh, incidents, like you guys are all freaked out about these mass shootings. There is no real risk of mass shootings. The real risk is in all these other incidents. And so here, I'm going to read a piece, and then uh, I came to a funny conclusion based on what they were saying here. So here we go, MSNBC. And again, deaths from mass shootings constitute just a couple percentage points of the roughly 40,000 firearm deaths that occur every year in America. The majority of gun deaths are suicides. Roughly 40% of gun deaths in the U.S. are homicides, and a vast majority of them are committed using handguns. So off the bat, it sounds like 60% of deaths from guns are suicides. 
Uh, I don't think that we need to legislate laws against suicides. I'm not saying I'm pro-suicide. I'm just saying we're not like if you're going to kill yourself, you're probably going to figure out another way. Like so uh, more people are going to be running their cars in their garage. Like, I don't think that getting rid of the guns is going to solve that in any capacity. So we're only dealing with 40% of the actual number of gun deaths. That's all that we're taking issue with. Now, let's continue to read what constitutes that 40%. Vulnerability to gun homicide is gendered, racial, and class-related. Gun homicides are concentrated in racially segregated, impoverished neighborhoods and cities, and Black Americans represent the majority of gun homicide victims. Guns also make domestic violence far from lethal. Uh, far more lethal, around 70 women are shot and killed by an intimate partner in the U.S. every month. So when I read that, my first thought was just like, do we have evidence that these deaths are caused because the guns are available? Or if there were no guns available, would you then end up with the same amount of death, but just from different means? In which case, outlawing the guns and restricting other people's freedoms to protect themselves might not be all that helpful. So it sounds when when you're telling me that most of we got two categories that constitute most of uh, the gun homicides. One, concentrate in racially segregated impoverished neighborhoods. Sounds to me like that's probably just like crime related. Uh, so I'm not sure that those would still wouldn't happen if you didn't have guns. And the rest of them uh, are by intimate partners. So now I was curious. Uh, how much, what percentage of intimate partner deaths are actually by guns? And so I started looking into this and about 50%. So the other 50% means that those are people that are probably getting beaten and stabbed to death. So look at it this way. If a guy's going to kill his wife, a gun's probably the better way to put her down. So think of it this way. Guns actually pre prevent 50% of women who are going to be killed by their husband by by uh, from it being them being beaten or stabbed to death. Now is that is that cheery? Does that make you feel better? Well, just stay out of don't get married. If you don't get married, you probably reduce your risk of being killed by a decent percentage point. And don't even be in love. I mean cuz that like how what in other words, if you don't live in the hood, you're not a minority and you're not in love. Think about how much you've just reduced your risk of being murdered. There's very few just random murders, right? So if you're just not, if you just can avoid those categories, that's what they should go on the news and tell people. They go, hey, listen, you, we know that you're all afraid of gun violence. If you want to make sure that you're protected and that no one kills you with a gun, just don't, don't be in love and don't be a minority in the hood. And if you can just do that, you should be okay. But the point I'm trying to make is do we actually end up with less violence if you get rid of the guns? Do you even have less death? Uh, and at least according to the, what I just put forward, probably not. All right, let's continue. What else I got? Uh, all right, here we go. This is the latest from Peter Dukey, the Duke man. Vaccination plan that, that, that was not in place when he walked into the administration. Okay. And then quickly, is the president running for reelection? He has, first of all, Let's, let's reset for a second. I cannot talk about... Uh, I got to pause it already. Isn't that great that she can't just be like... Even she's like, ah, shit. I mean, clearly he shouldn't be. Like, even she's caught off guard. It's a simple question. Well, it should be a simple question. If the guy clearly didn't have dementia and was slowly wrecking our country and just blatantly lying, it would be a very easy one. Yeah, the guy's the fucking president. President's always rerun. Why are you even asking me that? But since it's blatantly obvious that the guy 
is not all that coherent and not all that there. That's not even a good, I, I might as well be Biden. Can you think about how, de, uh, how dementia I'm going to be by the time I reach his age, if I even do reach that age? Uh, I mean, with the way Bitcoin's looking, I'm uh, going back to hard partying. There is no retirement policy left. Uh, all right, let's just play the rest of this. Elections. I cannot be a political analyst from here, uh, or uh, you know, or the midterms, or anything like that, or including 2024. The president, as you know, has been asked that question many times, and he has answered it. Uh, his answer has been pretty simple, which is yes, he's running for re-election. I'm, I can't say more than that. Okay. Isn't that great? Because even she knows that him rerunning is not a good idea. All right, let's take a couple comments. I'm going to put a poll out there. I got all sorts of gay stuff. I finished that documentary. Uh, on, uh, on, uh, what is a woman? So I got a couple clips from that lined up. There was also that ad of how to not, you know, end up with, uh, 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 dookie all over, all over your lover's dick. Like if you're going to get plowed in the asshole, there was the video, uh, you know, by, uh, I think it was Postmates letting you know what foods they can deliver your door so that you can eat, not be walking around. Uh, like being focused on a date, not just waiting like, hey, when are we going to go home so I can finally get my ass drilled so I can go eat something? And I actually liked it because I got IBS. I was like, yeah, give me more tips. We got that video. And then we had one other uh, super gay thing. So I'm putting it out there, people listening, because I'm thinking I might pause here, take a couple comments, and then we can uh, pick it back up tomorrow. I'll do another episode on that along with uh, some ESG stuff. Or maybe you guys are in the zone. Maybe you're like, give me the gay stuff. I want the gay stuff right now. So I'll put it out there right now. You guys let me know what you're looking for. All right. We got Forrest Mommy uh, commenting lightweight. I'm going to hope that that's a compliment that I'm looking skinny. I'm going to hope that that's what you're getting at. Um, David Owens. I'm part of the gas digital thing. All right. Well, go talk to part of the problem. You know, I'm, I'm on that show, but it's Dave's show. You're, you're on the run your mouth thing. You, what you want? You got run your mouth comments, concerns. I'll address them all day. If it's uh, part of the problem related. I'm on that show, but it's Dave's show. You got to talk to Dave. XFD sent you an email about the changes to the actuarial tables. Can you kick that back up in my inbox? That sounds uh, uh, pretty interesting. David Whitmer, what's up with the inner circle, Robbie? How do I join another one? <laughs> got to go ask Dave, guys. I do not make policy decisions for the part of the problem podcast. I show up. I come in prepared. I pitch show topics. I'm on the show, but it's Dave's show. So go ask Dave. Urjo, just give us the gay stuff. All right, there you go. I'll give you guys the gay stuff. Um, Vaccination plan. Right. What do we got here? What do we got here? All right, let's start with, oh, yeah, yeah, this one was really fun. Came across this. Uh, for those of that haven't seen it, you know, uh, Gatorade, they got this new ad going, and they've got this lady upside down who, uh, it looks like you put a polar bear, and I specifically am going with polar bear, it looks like you put a polar bear into yoga pants. I'd like this is this is one heavy lady. If you didn't, if you're listening to this, uh, just to, for reference, I'm trying not to be racist, but she's black, and I say that because white people couldn't have an ass this big. So this this is this is a bigger lady, and the the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I I think you guys should join with me and going after Gatorade for showing us images of unrealistic yoga pose standards. I mean, how many fat women have to crack their necks before Gatorade realizes that doing CGI images of large people engaging in exercises that clearly their neck could not support without cracking under its own weight? I, I haven't described this well enough. So you got a lady. I can never do this yoga pose. She's got legs going out in both angles. 
And by the way, if you were in a class, everyone would be like, oh my God, close the legs. What is going on in here? But anyways, you got this lady. She's got the she got the legs wide open. She's really uh really showing off getting that she's got her butt, you know, pointed right up at space in line with the moons and stars. And the, and she's being supported. She's on her neck. She's on her. And I'm, I'm just calling. It can't. There's no way. There's no way that this person did this. So you got Gatorade. They're CGIing this stuff. And you know why? Because they're trying to push that, uh, you know, that the, the big thing is beautiful. And I like this. I like this. I to go all the way. Convince everyone that being big is beautiful. Because I got to tell you, I got, I got big Jew fat jeans. If you saw the line of fatsos that I come from, I you don't understand. I got to go to the gym every day so that I don't end up looking like Jerry Nadler. Like, it would take one week of not going to the gym. I basically, I look like uh, Jerry Nadler. If you don't know who that is, he's the guy from the Senate committee stuff that looks like the a Jewish version of the clown from Spawn. And so I like this idea. If you can convince everyone that being, uh, dude, I can get fat so quickly. Like other people, you're going to have skinny people and they're going to be like, shit, I'm working really hard because now big is beautiful and I just can't get big. And then I would still be into like really skinny chicks, but then I could go out with her. And then I could like shame her, be like, hey, you dumb skinny bitch. So I like this culturally. Please, please keep pushing the fat thing. Convince everybody. Get it. The, convince everyone that you can get as big as you want to be and still be beautiful. Cause I could look like Chris Christie within a year. I'm telling you, I can, I can, I can. If I set that goal, if I sit down and I am, and, and by the way, why would you possibly want to be pushing the thing that being big is beautiful the year before we start running out of food? You know that Biden's cutting our food supplies, going to war with Russia, making sure that everyone starves. You're going to start, what, you want us all, all of a sudden everyone starts getting skinny and looking real beautiful, and then you make us feel worse about the fact that we can't afford food? It's endless with these people. All right. Now here, this is from uh, the Daily Wire. Uh, all right. I, I really want to save this for tomorrow. I feel like uh, we're going to save it for tomorrow. I know you saw, you guys said, give me the gay stuff, and I respect it. I respect that you guys are... Uh, are all like, give me the gay stuff. But I feel like uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover. We're already 45 minutes into this thing. So let's let's give it a rest here. Tomorrow, we'll come back. It's gay stuff. Right off the bat. I'll, I'll, I'll paint myself the rainbows. We'll change the background. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know, we'll really, we'll do it right. <laughs> okay, everybody. Summer porch doors in session. Uh, come, uh, come hang out. If you're in Chicago, there might be an opportunity on Sunday to come to a rooftop live run your mouth podcast. If that's of interest to you, you can email me at robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Like I said, bold word there is there might be, there might be, it's not confirmed. I cannot confirm or deny these allegations of a potential live run your mouth podcast on top of a rooftop before I go to the Cubs game with the historian who's got a book coming out. I can neither confirm or deny these allegations at this time. But you know what I can confirm is that if you go to the link in the episode description, I got, I got summer porch tour. All sorts of locations, fun locations, Nashville, Seattle, Denver at the end of the summer, uh, other things. All right, we're done. We're done. I'm going to go experiment with being gay, so I'm ready for tomorrow's episode. I'm going to shave my asshole. I'm going to watch that commercial, make sure that there's no dookie greasy in there, get out there, get plat out, and then I'll be able to come back here tomorrow and be like, hey, guys, I gave it a whirl, and uh, here's what I discovered. So, you know, I'm going to go do my research to make sure I'm informed for tomorrow's episode. Uh, maybe you guys can do the same, and uh, we'll talk then. Enjoy. Bye. We're done. See ya. Later.